Welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged, broken, and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse, no matter the heart condition, to a closer walk and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God can and does heal marriages, no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy. Amy, say hello. Hello. So we decided on the topic of defending one's stand today based on some of the feedback we've been receiving from our listeners, whether they are uh, comments on Facebook or blog or been sent in via email. Uh, I think it's important for us to let folks know that uh, we get and receive and read all those communications yes. uh, that come in. Uh, and, and it's based on that feedback that we've received that has sort of led us to choose this topic. And I think you made a great point. I would love for our listeners to know that we appreciate their comments and their feedback and questions. And we do read all of those. It does take us some some time to get back to um, those questions and it takes some time to answer those. But we do respond and we appreciate um, all of the feedback that we get. Um, so yeah, so these questions today or this podcast today is based off of some of those questions. Um, so Tommy, this first question I would like to ask you as we think about standing for marriage and fighting the good fight, what are we told from Scripture that will help us to better understand not only the nature of the battle, but how we as believers should respond when the attacks come? I think we need to look at a Scripture such as 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. I'll go ahead and read that. Uh, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. That's 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. All right, so the first part of that question uh, better understanding the nature of the battle. We've discussed this before. Yes. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, understanding the nature of the battle is to understand that it is a spiritual battle mm -hmm. and that it is a war. This so you is, would say, I am not your enemy. No, your prodigal is not your enemy. Right. And I, we don't want uh, to give you that impression. Now, uh, when we walked through the valley experience we did, Amy very much saw me as the enemy, right? which is what led her to the divorce. We have to understand that there is a lot at stake you yes. know, in, in this battle, not just, not just the marriage, but we're talking about uh, maybe the eternal destination of your soul, mm -hmm. your spouse's soul, the, uh, the souls of your children, mm -hmm. uh, their future, a whole host of things. So right. this, this is all encompassing. Uh, how we as believers should respond when the attacks come? Uh, well, first off, we, uh, we we shouldn't be fearful of them. We we should expect them to come. Right? right. They are going to come. All right. But I think also we need to understand why they are coming, and what is that? What does that mean for us if the attacks come? And the very beginning of this passage, 1 Peter 3, 14, says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. And that's, that's a little difficult for the stander to consider themselves blessed <laughs> when the attacks are coming. Right, especially during the midst of the trial and the valley. We never equate being blessed with experiencing pain. Oh, At least right. I didn't. Yeah. You know, at the time, I have a much better and broader understanding of what that actually looks like now. Well, and I think also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think also now 
you probably wouldn't ask the question, why is this happening to me? But now you would look at whatever trial comes our way, your way, and you would look at it and say, what can I learn from this? What is God trying to teach me through this? Oh, and... That's a very it, different perspective. Yeah, it, it is. And it's a learned perspective. Right. One that comes as you mature in your faith. And, um, you know, I, uh, as I look back now, there was, there was much room for growth. Still is plenty uh, of room for growth in, in my life. But certainly back then... Uh, as the Lord was exposing all these deficiencies and areas uh, that I had let down my guard and allowed all all sorts of things to come in my life and th corrections that needed to be made. So uh, He was blessing me from the standpoint of, of opening my eyes and helping me to see how far I had fallen mm -hmm. so that He could build me back up. Right. Um, I, I do want to talk uh, about... Uh, when those attacks are coming, because um, they are going to come, right? right? We, sh we, we talked about uh, not being surprised when the attacks come. But to expect but, them. But to expect them to right. come. I, you, don't, you, don't want, you certainly don't want them to come. I didn't want any of those attacks right. to come. You know, the verse says, uh, I think we're in 15, 1 Peter 3, 15, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And uh, I, I wasn't good enough with my knowledge of Scripture to be able to speak truths from Scripture in love. Of course, uh, back then, had I spoken it in love, I don't know how well it would have been received because at the time, anything that I said that had a uh, hint of spirituality or might have come from Scripture would be quickly thrown back in my face. Right. Uh, because I had, uh, I had lived so hypocritically for so long. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, I think that's such a good point because I know some of our listeners may be just wanting to you know, as we say, thump their prodigals over the head with a Bible. You know, we, we want to be very um, cautious in the way that, you know, I would, I would suggest being very cautious in the way that you proceed with your prodigal. Um, and that's not to say not to speak truth into their lives at all, because, you know, we prodigals absolutely need the truth because they're feeding themselves lies and believing lies from the enemy. Um, so we that needs to be um, combated, you know, with with the truth. Um, however, I think that Tommy always did it in a manner that was very gentle and loving, and he oftentimes would be quoting scripture or would be demonstrating. Um, scripture outwardly by acts of service and not, you know, quoting an exact verse. You did things, I think, a lot of uh, what you did later on, you did in love and you, you demonstrated what the Word of God teaches us. Uh, the longer this went on, uh, the less fear I had. Right. Yeah, as I, as I matured in my faith and and I could see that as the prodigal, and I could see the maturing. Well, because in your the, faith. the slandering wasn't bothering me; it right. was it was just rolling off. Right. And I'm sure there were times where you saw that. It would irritate and just wondered, me at times. Wait a minute! He's supposed to get all. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would irritate me at times because it was confusing. It was like, wait, I used that three weeks ago and it worked, and now it's not working. It's not getting under his skin and. You know, he's not bothered by it. And I mean, I really did notice a big change. Um, and it it's not overnight, I can say that. In, in our situation, every situation is different. But in our situation, the longer his stand became, the more I realized how much he had matured in his walk with the Lord. Well, let's listen again to the last part of verse 16. It said, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This, this speaks to how we respond when these attacks come. Mm -hmm. Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience 
It's basically meaning no regrets. You're not regretting right. what you're saying, right? So that when you are slandered, which that is what happens to standers, those attacks that come from the prodigal, that you're being slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ, those who revile your good behavior in Christ by standing for your marriage or standing for Christ, uh, those may be put to shame. Right. All right. So in other words, there there is going to be a time when these attacks come back to bite them. You're right. not going to be the one that exacts judgment on them. God is going to. And right. mark my word, He will right. in His timing. All right. All right, let's, let's move on to the next question here, and I'll go ahead and ask this one to you, Amy. Uh, what do you feel is the motivation of the prodigal for attacking the way that they do at times? And I think that speaks to the larger question of why is my prodigal doing this to me? <laughs> why, why is do he they, or she acting why, this way? Why do they hate me so much? Right. Right. Um, yeah. And... And let me say, I do believe that, you know, every situation, every marriage is different. Um, in our case, I think Tommy spoke to a little bit about um, how, or the reason why I was attacking. When we separated and he realized, oh, wait, she's not wanting to restore our marriage. She's wanting, in fact, to divorce me and leave the marriage. Um, I then started not one. I wanted to avoid someone pointing out my faults and my flaws. I felt like that Tommy, as he said, you know, it was hypocritical in a way. I felt like he didn't have the place to point out my faults because for so long, you know, he had lived. My flaws were so obvious. I had I had zero credibility. Right. Because I had allowed so many really bad things to creep in, and uh, I, I wasn't the example that I needed to be during the marriage. I wasn't leading. Right. So. And and I think, you know, over over time, your credibility built, but you also weren't. Uh, attacking in your words. I think the way that you came or that you approached me um, was, you know, a, a very, with gentleness, I guess I should say. Um, but for me, I really um, was blame shifting. Anytime that Tommy brought, you know, something up, uh, he didn't even have to bring anything up. I mean, but typically, you know, the discussion would go to why, you know, why are we doing this? Why aren't we working towards restoration? And, you know, why are you taking the actions and the steps that you're taking? Why can't we work through this? Well, at that point, I would just blame shift. Do you know what you did all these years? Do you know what I've had to put up with for 10 years? Um, so it, it really it, was... It's like you've got a lot of nerve wanting to change things now after yes. putting me through what you did for 10 years. Exactly. And I, I wanted vengeance. Um, I wanted you to feel the pain that I felt. Um, I, I Honestly, I, I felt that it was my job <laughs> to punish you. And the judge, jury, and executioner yes, all I, rolled up into one package. All rolled up into one. Yeah. Right. And so at that point... It really was, um, like I said, I mean, just uh, avoiding accountability. I didn't want to be held accountable. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I didn't want Tommy to point it out. I didn't want to feel like... Well, explain that a little bit more, avoiding accountability. How does attacking somebody foster your avoidance of accountability? Oh, well, because I knew that if I was to be held accountable, that that meant that we would need to work together, um, that that would mean we would need to go, you know, to biblical counseling together, um, that that would be a moving towards restoration. Well, in, in the context of, a, of attacking, how does that help you avoid accountability? Oh, well, because if we didn't have to focus on me... I could focus on you. All right, so avoidance, misdirection, blame shifting, 
Uh, and just revenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I really wanted you, like I said, I wanted to take it upon myself to punish you. I felt that you deserved to be hurt. I felt that you deserved to feel the hate and the hurt that I had felt for all those years. And so now it was your turn. And um, I mean, that's exactly (laughs) the direction that I took things in. Um, Now, at the time, if you would have said, well, you're, this is vengeance. Like you are, you know, seeking vengeance upon your husband. I would have said, absolutely not. I could be much um, more angry and mean to him. At least I'm allowing him to see the boys whenever he wants to. At least I'm, you know, going to events together with him. At least we are appearing together in public um, and, and we're supposedly a, a decent and happy family. You know, at least all of these things. There was always in it, at least I'm not this, or at least I'm not that. Um, and so I kind of placed myself upon a pedestal there for a while, you know, pointing at other families and couples that I had seen going through troubled times and saying, well, at least I'm not that bad. Like, I'm being okay. nice to him. So your, bro- your prodigal might might think that they themselves are bad, but maybe they're not as bad exactly. as maybe some of their friends or other people that they've known who've gone through divorces. Right. Right. And and that's how they can, that's how we all well, justify, justify our actions. Yeah. yeah. And I also felt like, you know, well, I remember saying this multiple times. Well, you know, if, if, if I need forgiveness from the, if I need forgiveness for this, like, God will forgive me. There's much worse things than being divorced. And that's really how I thought of it at the time. Yeah. Um, does Scripture have anything specifically to, to say about some of these descriptions uh, for our prodigals? We've, we've just described the behaviors there and what we'll see and maybe uh, why they're doing it is what they're doing. But is there a scripture that we can point to that would describe their behavior right now so as to help us not be surprised that they're acting the way that they are? Yeah, I think um, one scripture that comes to mind is 2 Timothy 3. Um, It's verses 1 through 7. Mm. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappe- unappeasable, heartless <laughs> and unappeasable. Does that describe your prodigal? Heartless and unappeasable? Meaning you can't do anything right. Yeah, you Everything can't. you do is wrong. Right. Um, well, but, but let's keep, keep, going. keep going. Slanderous mm-hmm. um, without self-control brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless. Treacherous, doing yeah. something behind your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, reckless, swollen with conceit. Are they posting to social media bragging about their activities? <laughs> I don't taking, know anybody take, like that. Taking <laughs> selfies all the time and letting the world know how happy and Wonderful thrilled they are is. to live life without you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. From among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. That last part, I think, um, is, is pretty telling. When you think of somebody who is pursuing a d- divorce, it seems as though they're on a, on a journey to find themselves, to find true happiness. Yes. And it says here, learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So the truth is, you know, what we find in the Word of God about what defines true happiness and peace and joy and all. This comes from the Lord. 
yet that prodigal is constantly trying to find it in what the world has to offer. And this verse says they will never, ever find it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, I, was, I was really concerned uh, when I read this passage and, um, you know, I, I thought about you and where you were and the part about led astray by various passions. Uh, and right before that, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Not, not, not from the standpoint of you being physically weak, but to the extent that I failed as a godly leader and the husband, the, as the husband, I was not equipping you nor our family spiritually. Right. And so I was leaving you vulnerable to hear things from others. Um, and if you have an itching ear, mm -hmm. you're going to seek out things that are going to make you feel good. Right. Right. And you were being directed down a path that was in fact uh, constructed by the enemy that was designed to destroy everything. Right. But, you know, again, I, I left you vulnerable. You're responsible for what you did. Right. But I sort of set the stage up for you. Yeah. And, and I think that that is so true. And so many of the cases that we see or people that we hear from, I think in most cases people understand that you know, even though the, the marriage has failed, at some point there there's there's some part that they have played in the failure of their marriage, um, and sometimes it can just be completely you know complete unawareness, um, not paying attention. Like you said, I don't think that you ever did anything intentionally to hurt me or to allow someone to. Like, like the verse says, you know, come, come in and take yeah, them. Yeah, I, 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 do, I didn't do things with the knowledge that one day it would allow uh, there to be a crack in the foundation. Right. But we weren't building up the foundation either. We were never um, putting on the armor of God as a family. And I think that, you know, kind of speaking back to the first question, we were not prepared you know, we weren't prepared spiritually um, in our marriage for attacks to come. And so when the attacks came, they just kept coming and coming and coming. And eventually, you know, the foundation broke. And um, so I think it's really important as a family, whether it's your husband or your wife, Maybe you're not divorced yet, um, or you're just in a troubled marriage. Just understanding that both both um, the husband and the wife play the role in the marriage, and we want to make sure that we don't allow our husbands to be vulnerable to outside temptations, nor do we want the wives to be vulnerable. So I think that that was a, a really you know, great point in this scripture. Um, but I think also, like you said, I was always seeking that happiness and that fulfillment. Um, and that's not to say that we can't have those, hap that, that we can't be happy or we can't be fulfilled. But I was seeking things that were not godly. I wasn't seeking Christ. And it is only Christ that can fulfill those things in our lives. That was one of the reasons why when you decided to redo the office over here. And I'll bring this up, and I'm sure you'll laugh. Uh, <laughs> but Amy is I very... I think we may have talked Amy, about Amy it is very before. Amy is very creative, and she decided after I moved out to make one of the rooms downstairs into a uh, place where she could express her creativity all right, basically it was the office, but she was going to design it from top to bottom. Uh, this was at the uh, suggestion and recommendation of her, quote, Christian therapist at the time. And one of the things that she put up on the wall, it was hanging art that said, dream big. And uh, she was actually so proud of the job that she did. And she did a really nice job of uh, fixing up the room, but she actually sent it to me. And I saw that, and um, I got to tell you, this passage came to mind <laughs> because yeah. when I saw a dream big, I'm thinking, um, you're chasing after something. Right. You're chasing after something, and it's not our marriage, and right. it sure doesn't look like God. 
even right. though you say that you're chasing after him. Um, and so that that's probably the reason I wasn't maybe as excited about what you could done office. as yeah. maybe you were. And, you know, that's not to say that you can't dream, you know, dream big, quote unquote, dream big. I mean, Tommy and I have huge dreams um, and we have, you know, things that we would we desire to do that we would like to do but all of those dreams really are based in um most aspects our ministry and the direction in which god is leading us and all of the dreams that i had and all of the desires they were completely selfish um none of them pertain to godliness which is what we're to seek after um, there was no sort of righteousness. You know, I wasn't, I was not, uh, suffering for righteousness sake, <laughs> even though I may, you know, try to plead to others and say, look at, you know, poor pitiful me, look at what I've had to deal with. Look at where I'm at in my marriage. You know, I mean, I would, you know, I would appeal to people to, to get sympathy from them perhaps, but I was not in any way suffering for righteousness sake, the, the dreaming big were not dreams, um, that God desired for me. I mean, I was running from my marriage and was living life the way that I wanted to live it, uh, had nothing to do with God. Um, next question. When it comes to responding and having an answer to the spouse who accuses and attacks, or perhaps even those such as family and friends who advocate for us, abandoning our stand, what can we glean from Scripture that will help us? And I'd like you to, we know the answers to this, we've, we've talked about it, and we're familiar with the Scripture, but I, I would like you to, uh, if you can, Amy, go ahead and find uh, on your Bible there, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, if you can pull that up. And yeah, um... this, is the, this is the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and I think there is a lot that we can learn from in terms of how to battle and combat the enemy. Um, the story of the temptation of Jesus. Mm. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Men shall not live on bread alone but by the every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. All right, we were quite fortunate in that the sermon that we heard today just so happened to be on this very topic. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was pleased to hear it and uh, encouraged by it, but uh, also thought, boy, this is, this is great timing because it, it's going to help us in this, in this episode. And um, so the question that we asked, uh, and as we look back on this story, and we see how Jesus handles those attacks and those temptations that were coming uh, from Satan. Now, the first thing I would say in terms of how he dealt with it, I think it's obvious to anyone, is that he, um, he quoted Scripture. Right. Right? Right. Now, what was brought up in the sermon today was that Satan quoted scripture also, too. Yes, he right? also so quoted how, scripture. So how can that be? You have, if, if the Bible is the word of God and it's all true, how can they both be using scripture? Would they both cancel out 
one another no. or no i and i think this is such a, because, a good point be, because you might have a prodigal who, who gets up scripture. on a high horse mm -hmm. and can try to use scripture right. to their advantage right. right and i think that's such a good point because you're right in this story satan himself even quotes scripture however if you look at how satan quote scripture, he actually takes it out of context and uses it for his gain. And so we have to be really careful. Um, I think it's also really wise to pay attention to your prodigal. Like I, I know oftentimes Tommy and I would have conversations and I would bring up scripture to promote my agenda. Was I quoting scripture? Yes. Was it the word of God? Yes. Was it authoritative? Yes. Was it used out of context? Also, yes. Absolutely, completely, unequivocally. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so I think if you, if you read through, you know, if you read through that, we see that in order to quote scripture, first you need to know scripture, right? <laughs> we need to know what we're quoting. Um, but also, if your prodigal's quoting scripture, you need to be familiar with what they're quoting. How are they using those scripture? Is it for their gain or is it for God's glory? Usually it will be to justify yes. what, is, is, what it is that they're doing. Absolutely. Right. And so I think that that's, and, and, and that's not to say, oh, you should have, you know, a full-on battle of scripture, you know, an argument over what the scripture means. I don't think that that would be helpful either, but I do think that it's really wise to point out and to just be aware that regardless of them using scripture to you in order to be combative, um, typically it is for, for, for themselves. I mean, it's, it's to promote their agenda it's to justify their actions and to get you to just kind of be caught off guard. Like, oh, well, you know, they're quoting scripture to me. Just because they're quoting scripture doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's used in context and it's actually profitable um, in the way that they're using it. I think one thing could be said by a prodigal is that, well, just look at all the messed up families in the Old Testament, the examples uh, of how horrible their lives were, the, the immorality that was rampant, and yet God still used them and He worked everything out. So, you know what, I, I can do this and things are going to be okay. Oh, right. What do you, what do you say to that? Um, well, I mean, I think that we look back at um, Scripture again, and I mean, when uh, is it Paul that says, well, should we just continue sinning? Should we just keep on sinning? Absolutely not. He continue says, in sin that grace may abound, may abound by no means. Right. Yeah, and to the contrary. No, absolutely not. Right. We shouldn't do this. But, but also, I think one point that should be made is if those examples are given, you could say, yeah, but you know what? That wasn't God's perfect plan. You know, God has laid out His. We we see we saw what God's perfect plan was in right. the Garden let's, of let's Eden. Let's go back to Genesis. One man right. and one woman. Uh, one of the other points um, that was brought up in today's sermon regarding this is the fact that, you know, when these attacks come, uh, we need to understand that we cannot we cannot face these situations alone. We cannot fight the battle alone. Right. We need to have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. to help us. Even uh, in this passage, you know, the, the Bible here has told us that Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was empowered during that time to be able to face the enemy. Right. And right? I think that that's such a good point because I think a lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm a Christian or I come from a great Christian home or, you know, I was, I mean, look at us. At one point I was a missionary you know, would you think that this would ever happen to us? If you think that it can't happen to you, the chances are that it well, will. And I can, I can tell you that despite all the Christian schooling or maybe the church attendance, uh, and until you yourself develop an intimate relationship with right. the Lord and you put in the time 
necessary for that relationship to be developed and cultivated, cultivated. you mm -hmm. are going to be vulnerable. Right. And the pastor this morning was was speaking how you know even Jesus had to get away, and he just had to spend that time with the Father. Right. And he received that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I, I can tell you the the closest I've ever been to the Lord was, was when I removed myself from. Uh, any and every distraction that was out there. And I just, you know, it was just me and him and uh, scripture, reading the scripture. And if you are not making that investment, uh, you're, you're going to find the, the battle much harder to endure. Right. And I think that you, you will also, it'll be easier to be tricked, you know. Um, and what I mean by that is, I mean, I had all kinds of tricks up my sleeve. I would use little things to manipulate Tommy. Um, I would say things that were kind of like little half-truths, but, you know, a half-truth um, with a partial, you know, you've got like partial truth um, and then partial lie. It's really all one big lie. You know, you can't have a little bit of truth in there with a little bit of a lie. It's all a lie. Yeah. And so if you're not aware of what scripture says and you don't Well, withholding know. truth is a lie. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, we we talk about our walk with the Lord is right, we are then walking in the light. Right. You know, we don't have to worry about things being uncovered and exposed. When right. you are being deceptive, you want to keep things hidden in, in, in dark, the darkness. Right, right. right. Um, next question. How did Jesus respond to the temptations and attacks from Satan? What was his strategy, and what effect did it have on the devil? Well, I think you know we and we've 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 hit on this already a little bit, but right? We've we've pointed to the fact that he continually, um, and I think that that was a good point made in the sermon this morning too. It wasn't like he maybe was we only... should just wait for that sermon to be released. <laughs> yeah, we'll just release. and we just <laughs> we just record it and put that out. It was yeah. really good, folks. Um, but it was funny that, uh, well, it's not funny. I, I mean, God worked all of this um, together, I think, because we had already written out notes for what we were going to do today. We were actually supposed to record this previously and then decided to wait and record it We weren't today. able to record it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. and so the and plans I, changed. <laughs> right. And then, sure I think enough. the plans changed because God wanted us to hear the sermon today. Um, but having said that, I think it's important in, in the sermon um, when, when he was speaking about Jesus being tempted, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, Satan tempted him just three times. I mean, if you read that and go back and, you know, look at the original language used, it was talking about 40 days and 40 nights. He was continually yeah, being tempted it, it, by it Satan. It was relentless. Absolutely And if you really relentless. stop to think, think of how... It, how it was, or maybe it's been, if you've been tempted, right. all right, and you take that and you multiply that times however many hours there are in the day for so many days, right. that's the level of uh, intense temptation that Christ was enduring. Right. It was, uh, I, I can't even comprehend, none of us can comprehend that. Right. Right. Um, and also the fact that Satan knows when we are most vulnerable and that is when he attacks. And so that's why I think it's so wise to constantly be on guard, um, to constantly be in the Word, because he, Jesus combated his attempts every single time with Scripture, and he cut off the lie with a truth. Well, I think we're most vulnerable uh, whenever we're not equipping ourselves. And I can say for myself, if I'm not reading the Word of God, if I'm not praying, and uh, as someone who is married now, I can tell you that Amy, it is probably quite easy for her to see <laughs> where I am spiritually. Yes. All right. If I have some, there are natural ebbs and flows, and I have ups and downs, and she can tell just based on my demeanor, uh, the tone of my voice. When I'm closer to the Lord, and maybe when I've <laughs> let some things slide, and maybe maybe He didn't spend time talking to the Lord today or reading Scripture, okay? But 
if we are doing that on a continual basis, I'm, I'm telling you that is really going to help us when these attacks come. Yeah. And um, that last part, what effect did it have on the devil? What did Jesus' strategy? Eventually, eventually he gave up. You know, in the story it says that he gave up, all right? And then he comes back later, all right? But in terms of that particular battle, he's like, all right, I've lost this battle. I'm not getting anywhere. Right. I mean, he right. couldn't stand up against the truth. Right. It's like he tried and tried and, and Christ kept coming back. Jesus kept coming back with the truth. And Satan can't stand up against the truth. No. No, he can, he can only deceive us into believing a lie, and that's what he continues to do. Right. That's why, I mean, we, we hear about marriages um, that are uh, in crisis mode right now, and, and we hear some of the background story behind these, and um, the more information we get, I mean, the more it resonates with our situation and how lies are just being believed. That right. I, I've done this now. I gotta, I gotta go down this path, or uh, maybe God's not gonna mind it if I do this, or um, he'll it, forgive me. He'll he'll forgive me. It's really not all that bad for the kids. Um, that's all gonna yeah. be fine. Um, I mean, it's just a bunch of lies that you tell yourself, and you know, I think it's it's so good to note that. None of these lies that Satan uses, they're, they're nothing new. Like the lies that he used with Jesus were the same lies that he used with Eve, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So, you know, it's like he has um, all of these lies built up and he just pulls the same one out. It's not like that they're different. He just repackages it and he uses it because it keeps working because he knows that we're not always well-equipped. And when we are not well-equipped is when he likes to attack. Um, there, was, there was a time early on when you tried to explain to me how, um, how certain you were of the path that you were on. <laughs> Are you really going to bring this? Well, up? I think I, I think <laughs> it's it, funny. I, I think it's relevant because because early on there was a time where I'm thinking because I'm, I'm hearing all these things. You're this. You're this. You're you're the bad one. I don't want to have any part of you. It called my walk with the Lord into question. A right. Am I really on the right side? Is maybe she right? Right. Okay. That's why that's why I'm bringing it yeah, up. Yeah. No. To, I mean, it's not to rehash funny. anything. Yeah. But the question is, why is it so important for us to study and know Scripture? Okay, and for me, the point is, look, if she's, she or he is telling you things uh, with certainty and with conviction that they believe is right, that they are listening to God, they know what God's will is, and they're walking the path they are supposed to walk. If you know your Scripture and what they are telling you, uh, does not line up with that, right. then you know no, for a fact what they're doing is they wrong. are being deceived and what right. they are doing is wrong. Well, I thought you were going to bring up, uh, I, I, but I do think that this is a point. I thought you were going to tell the little story about exactly what I said, which is quite funny, um, especially given our circumstances now. Um, but whenever Tommy and I were first going through this, um, I told him absolutely like we are not getting back together. I know the path that I'm on is right. I even use the words, I am crystal clear. You said it is crystal clear <laughs> and you had no doubt. Crystal clear, no doubts. I'm on the right path. Have you all heard that before? Have you heard this from your prodigal? <laughs> yeah. Crystal clear I'm and no crystal doubt. crystal clear. There's no doubt what I'm doing is wrong. Um, and just, just to kind of, you know. No we, doubt we, what you're doing is right. What you meant to say. Yes. What, the, and this what is I'm exactly doing. what they'll say too. Yes. They and, are convinced, right? Right. They're completely convinced. And that's why, you know, we can laugh about it now because we both still will occasionally say, I am crystal clear. And it, it's just, it's funny to us now because I was so certain um, and and clearly I was not living for the Lord. There was no crystal clear. There was no certainty in well, anything you know, I was doing. It's ironic because you couldn't have been more wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. Right. It's you know. like, 
no, you don't understand. I know this is the path for me. And it's like, you know, God kind of like turned me around and had me look in the mirror and laugh at myself. And I am very thankful we can laugh about this now. And I mean, and I can say a hundred percent, I was wrong. Thankfully, I'm aware of how wrong I was. Um, but I do also want to speak a little bit to the prodigal in those situations. Um, we can venture down a path that we feel like we can never walk away from. Like God can never forgive us for what we've done. Um, our prodigal, or not our prodigal, I'm sorry, our stander, um, our husband, our spouse, um, or our wife, if it's a wife in your case, um, will never be able to fully forgive us. Um, no one will, you know, accept us back into the church. These are all lies that we tell ourselves. Um, as the prodigal, I told myself all of those lies. Um, I believed those. And so, Therefore, a good period of time, I would say probably a solid four months, three to four months before Tommy and I um, were, or before we came back together and God restored our marriage, there was probably a period of three to four months where I just kept feeling like, okay, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know God's wanting to restore our marriage. I know this is the direction I need to go in but I'm not good enough, or God won't forgive me, or Tommy won't fully forgive me. He only knows part of the story. So once he knows the whole story, then he'll change his mind. And all of those things, I am telling you, all of those things are thoughts that go through the prodigal's mind. And um, so I think it's really important to point that out and to be patient with your prodigal and understand that they need to be reassured. I know time and time again, Tommy would often reassure me um, in times where I was open to talk about things and open to talk about any kind of future you know, he reassured me over and over, Amy, things will never be the same they were that as they were. Um, he always told me, you know, that that um, he would for he would forgive me. He had already forgiven me, that there was nothing I could do that would make him not want to marry me. I mean, the all of those words really, really resonated with me. Um, and it took a while for me to understand that that was in fact the truth. Well, I, th I think the more important thing to understand uh, for perhaps the prodigal, if they doubt they're able to come home. Right. Um, they say, if I, they I, doubt, I, they I, won't. I, I, can't, I can't do this. It's just, it's too much. To say that is to say that God the creator of the universe He's not can capable. do all this, but he can't do. He's not capable. He can't do this. Right. And what is that? Is that the truth or is that a lie? Right. That is a hundred percent lie. All right. And yeah. so why are we believing it? Right. Don't believe it. Right. Second um, Timothy two, fifteen, and I'm reading this from the King James version. Uh, that's what I was brought up on. I actually like how it's worded in this version. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's mm -hmm. so important when you are standing for your marriage and you are fighting this battle that you equip yourself and that you have a, a, a proper understanding of what the truth actually is because you're going to hear things from your prodigal, you're going to hear things from well-intentioned family members or even a pastor who right. might be uh, taking scripture out of context and saying, you know, they, they, they've left you or this and this has happened, you're okay, go ahead and get your divorce, it's not that uncommon, it, it, it'll be fine. We need to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, read the scripture, understand what it says, and allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. Right. Right. Attacks are going to come. Um, we can all take that to the bank. 
while we constantly pray for our prodigal's hearts to change, it's safe to say most of us have a pretty good idea of the types of things we can expect to see, hear, and experience while they are living a life of sin. Their behavior is predictable. If we know what is coming, then we should be prepared for how to handle it. Equipping ourselves with the Word of God and putting on that full set of armor will sustain and protect you like nothing else. Use the resources God has given you. They are there for a reason. When used the way God intends, the fruits they bear will have the power to change our circumstances as well as the course and trajectory of our relationships to our prodigal spouses. Lord, we thank you for this time we've been able to come together and reflect on your word. We humbly ask that you would use what has been shared here to advance your kingdom. May those who have heard be emboldened by the truth. May they continue to turn to your word and your truth, Father. Direct, lead, and guide them as they stand for their marriages. Lord, work in the hearts of those rebelling against you. Turn them from their evil ways and towards a heartfelt repentance. Be with all the innocent children who are caught in the crosshairs of this battle. Protect them, Lord, and shelter them from the anxieties, worries, and pain that stem from experiencing a broken home life. Go with us now, Lord. Help and sustain us. We need you, Father. By your grace, may everything we say and do bring honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. You have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. Our address is purposedmarriage at gmail.com. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.